Thank you for uh, being here tonight on, on Wednesday night. Sometimes it's hard to make all that work, but we're uh, certainly glad you're here. And uh, hopefully we had a good kickoff on Sunday morning with uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And um, I'm going to do just a little bit of reviewing. You know, that's how you learn. Well, not too long. I won't take too long on it. But what two Greek words for love are, uh, that are used in the New Testament? Agape and phileo. Are there other Greek words? It's such a rich language. Yeah. Yeah, there are. There's the family love. There's the Greek word eros, where we get the word erotic. You know, all these things. But only the New Testament uses two words. Phileo, which is city of brotherly love. Phileo. Um, um, what's the... What's the uh, do you have a, a book booklet, Tina? Okay. What's the... Um, one of the main points of the word... Um, phileo. It, it's a brotherly love, and that's fine, all that's good. W what does that word suggest? A commonality or a common interest. So, in its truest sense, can we have a common interest, uh, a phileo love with the world? We really can't. We don't have a bond with the world. We don't have a common interest with the world. The world's going on a road that we're not going on. And they're not going to like where it ends up. But that's, are we free agents? Are we, do we, are, did God make, give us freedom to choose, make our choices? Did He not? He said, fine. You're not a puppet on a string. I'm not going to jerk your string. Uh, but just know that there are consequences of actions and you're going to face them, some even on this earth, I, I believe, but certainly at, at the end. So, and then the other word that we that 1 Corinthians 13 uses, it's only this word, agape love. Now what does that mean? And you can use your own wording. Agape means unconditional love that's never ceasing, never stopping. It's the highest form of love. It's the highest form of love. Never ceases, never stops. Now, is the object of agape love is the sender of agape love uh, I had it right the first time is the, is the recipient of agape love dependent upon the person being lovely themselves or loving themselves I, I, no were we lovely were we lovely when, 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 when God loved us and Christ loved us and and he came and died for us? No. We, I mean, you know, we, we, we just, in our sight, we think we're still unlovely. Now, in God's sight, you know, if, if all he sees is, is Jesus when he looks at us, that's, we're lovely. But in, I, I feel like so much, you know, that I'm, I'm still unlovely. For God to love, or for someone to love a person with agape love, it doesn't depend on whether they're lovely or not. Because we have a tendency to love people that loves us. That's the easy way. Any, any, the world can do that. Mm -hmm. Anybody can do that. Um, God loved us when we weren't lovely. And we were unloving. And we eventually killed His only son. Now I read this this week and I really do like it. I've given Christ countless reasons not to love me. 
none of them has changed his mind. I really do like that's by a man named Paul Washer. Don't know the man, but I have given Christ countless reasons to not to love me. I have. None of them has changed his mind. I really do like that. All right. Now, the 747 principle. First of all, where is it located? At the airport. You out. That's what I do with my kids at school. Out. Luke 747. And a way to memorize it or remember it, my little uh, brain, is the, 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 the big plane. It's wide. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. And it's safe, among other things. And it's reliable. The 747 was a very reliable airplane. Okay, Luke 747. Tell me what that means, what it says, and what you think it means. Luke 747. We call it in this class the 747 principle. It's Jesus' agape love to a woman who is a sinner to prove to the Pharisee that we don't look on what is on the outside we look at what is on the inside. And she knew Jesus could save her and help her and she was willing to do whatever it took to get that done. But the Pharisees sat in judgment saying why. Okay. <clears throat> Real quickly, let's... Uh... Give me that, uh, Mike touched on it. Uh, to love, uh, you must forgive more. That's why I remember from last week's, like, uh, words were in that subject. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, I, I see that. Because, like, uh, like where, where uh, people get caught up in the works, and they forget, like, regardless of circumstance, what, what, what someone does for, like, repentance, when you look at the woman, what she did... And there's a high up like deacon, whatever title he was, he was just getting proud, and she's just like, like, you see what she's done, we should have done this, you know. And like, we get too caught up in our own, like we forget those around that are just doing as good as not better. Someone turn to Luke seven forty seven. Actually, read that for me. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven her, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. He who is forgiven little, loves little. <clears throat> Tie that into that, to that uh, uh, incident where Jesus was invited to the Pharisee's home. First of all, uh, and we made some comparisons, Simon the Pharisee, he was a church leader, he was or a Jewish leader, looked up to, he promoted standards, he was hosting the party, he was an upper crust, he had money, he had influence, and uh, what did the prostitute have that was she invited first of all? She was not invited. Um, what kind of standards did she had she been living? Did she set standards or break standards? She broke standards. Did she give the party or did she crash the party? She crashed the party. Was she upper class or lower class? Very, very low, low class. And you would think, in fact, the Pharisee said, did he not? What did she do as soon as she came in? What did she do? She was so ashamed of her past 
that she was crying copious amounts of saline solution uh, on and washed Jesus' feet, dried his feet with her hair. All she had probably in the world was some perfume, and she put perfume on his feet. She, she put oil on his head. And, and, and Jesus, what did Simon, what was his thought? If he only knew who this woman was. And Jesus said, <laughs> I don't know who she is. Don't think thoughts that you don't want out. Jesus knows them. So, and then he turned it back on Simon. Simon, just common courtesy. I walked into my, your house. I was invited. You didn't give me a kiss, or we called it. You didn't give us. You didn't give me a handshake. Uh, you didn't. Uh, you didn't give me any water to wash my feet. <coughs> this woman here has washed my feet. She's cried with her own tears. Um, you didn't put any oil for my head. Go ahead, Tristan. Simon was not also not only belittling the woman, but also Jesus saying, maybe oh. you aren't a prophet, that since you don't know what this woman yeah. done to you. And then he said, Simon, i got a question for you. Right. So then he, <laughs> he talked about that. Now, he who loves little, and he gave this parable, or, or not a, well, a parable, of two debtors. One debtor owed 50 days wages, one debtor owed 500 days wages. Remember? And he said, let me ask you a question, Simon. Which of those two do you think loved their, and the master forgave them their debts, didn't he? Which do you think of these two did loved him the most? And Simon, you could almost feel his teeth gritting. I suppose the one that for, he was forgiven the most. And he said, you've rightly spoken. This woman, whose sins are many, he knew what she had done. Um, he forgave her. I forgive her of her sins. Of course, that got a, a, a row going as well. Um, could Simon have been forgiven? We touched a little bit on that Sunday. He could have. What was his problem? Luke 7 47 he who is loved little forgives little Simon didn't have a lot of love to give because he didn't think he needed any forgiveness he had arrived you see that and we talked about that uh, and in fact we'll talk about tonight actually but um, if you want to learn to forgive Make sure you understand how much you've been forgiven. Do you think, this is a question, do you think the fact that we sometimes maybe don't forgive others as quickly as we should, do you think maybe it's because we, we don't feel like we have needed God's forgiveness as much as we do. It, it, don't you think that's the point of, of the whole thing, really? Um, and we could say that you want to be more generous. And not everybody's generous. They hold on to that, their time and their money. If you want to be more generous, 
How can we turn the 747 principle on that? You want to be more generous? Understand the generosity that's been given to us. Aha. By God Himself. You, you have trouble putting up with cranky people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah? I, I, I become cranky. <laughs> Sometimes we do. Have we ever been cranky and hard to get along with with him? No, no. <laughs> we have, haven't we? So I, th I think when, I know it's tongue-in-cheek, but when, go ahead. I, I think if we all really understood thoroughly the meaning of agape love, uh, it would make it all easier. But, you know, I, I, I know I don't, and, and probably it's... It's hard to understand that kind of love. It is. It is. That's a good question. Do you think we can have... Remember when we filled in all these qualities with Jesus' name? There's no question. He has all of those. And we tried to put our names there and no one said anything because we know we could fall short there. Can we raise our game a little bit? We need to try. Can we ever attain to where Jesus... No, we cannot. We cannot, but we that's our that's our charge. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have written this. Do you think that's right? You know, love is patient, love suffers long, love is kind, love is all those things. That's agape love. That's agape love. It, it is. You want to put others first? Did Jesus put you first? And me? He certainly did. But that being said, shouldn't it be a little bit easier to put others first, knowing where we came from? He who loves little forgives, one word, forgives little. He who is forgiven little loves little. We have to understand where we came from and, and the, the immenseness of our sins and, and, and our, and our uh, uh, idiosyncrasies and all the things that, that, that He has to put up with us with, and He does. And just like, just like that thing said, I've got I to commit it to memory. I have, get, I have given Christ countless reasons not to love me. None of them has changed His mind. Sometimes we can change our minds with each other, can't we? When things aren't going uh, as well as we think they should with one another. Not with him. Not with him. And, and look on page, I'm on page six, by the way, and then I'm going to get to the discussion here in just a second, hear what you've got to say. That being said, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, need our tears at times. They need our love. They need our generosity. That'll be a whole lot easier to accomplish once we realize all that He's done for us. Now that, that's going to take some mirror time. I call it mirror time. Self-reflection. Sitting where it's quiet for a while. Looking in the mirror, if, you, if, that's, if that helps you and say, Lord, I've got a long way to go here. And a short time to get there when you get to be Nelma's age. 
<laughs> I'm not far behind you. I'm Long way, Mitch. <laughs> okay. Thank you. If, now notice verse 13. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are. If we have not received these things from God, how can we give them to others? I maintain you can't. You certainly got to have the motivation to, don't you? What else? You have to know what it feels like to receive it, to give it. And, and there's where we are. How can we do that? I don't have all the answers here. How can we do that? Give me some practical things where we, through our self reflection and our studies and our prayer life and all these things. How can we be more... I've got grease all over me here right from that garage door. Uh, how can we um, give those things unless we've received them? I think first we've got to realize what we have received, how blessed we really are. And until we have a thorough understanding of that, I don't think we can give it. We've just... We've got, to, like you said, some maritime. We've got to do a lot of thinking and a lot of pondering on, on what we have received. We have sometimes third world problems. First world problems. Thank you, Craig. We have first world problems as if everybody else in the world has first world problems. They don't. They're not worried about um, garage doors and they don't have garage. Uh, they're not worried about all these, some of these things we get all Twitter painted about because they don't have that stuff. So we have to, some self-reflection. I got uh, Rebecca, and then I'm coming to you. Rebecca. So, partially because it's where I am in my life right now, I draw comparisons between the parent-child relationship constantly toward the God-to-his-children relationship. And I think that looking for those little comparisons in life, like, you, you don't understand how much your parents love you until you have a child of your own and you understand what that feels like. So it opens your eyes to the vast capacity of the love that God shows us if we, who are a mere reflection of His greatness and goodness, can love our children so intensely. I really like that point. Sometimes we don't understand until we have experienced whatever, you can fill in the blank on that, in this case, raising children, and the love you have for them. Is it conditional love or is it unconditional? Well, I mean, sometimes you got to, you know, give them one of those, but it's unconditional love. But we'd still die for them. We really would, wouldn't we? We would. Would you die for your children? Absolutely. Then we can understand a little bit better that that's what he did for us. And we were disobedient children. And sometimes he gives us a little swap. Sometimes we need a big swap. <laughs> he does do that. Oh, yeah. what, does, what does the Bible say about if you don't discipline your children? I didn't write this. You don't love them. That's what it says. I didn't write it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, contrary to Dr. Spock and all this 
nonsensical stuff we hear today, sometimes you got to get their attention. And if you get it, and you do it because you love them. Uh, I had too many kids in high school classes that did not feel the love uh, for their children because there were no rules. There were no regulations. They just just go and do whatever you want. And they, some viewed that as, as being uh, a very liberal and open mind. No, that's not, not that way at all. You have rules and regulations just like he has for us, and we call it the Bible. So, well, that's kind of confining. I, that means I can't go out. That's right. It's for our own good. You know, you'll never be killed in a bar. You know why? If, if you're a faithful Christian, you're not going to be there. You'll never die of AIDS unless it's a blood transfusion. Why? We don't do those things. So it's for our good. Remember, for our good always, the Bible talks about that, that God's rules, if you want to call them that, are for our good. Always. Very important. Really good point, Rebecca. Once we get that, can we show more agape love towards someone who maybe doesn't like us? Even our enemies. Is that an easy one? No, 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 it's not. Because we understand where we came from. Any other comments on that, Jason? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, it's so past. But I was just going to say. Well, all right. I was just going to say um, one of my favorite sayings is I cried because I had no shoes, and then I looked at the man who had no feet. And sometimes um, you look at your problems, and they become very small when you look around your circle and realize that you got nothing to cry about. It's all, it's all relative in my thinking. And, <laughs> and, and the older we get, I think the more um, capable we become of developing empathy. doesn't mean that you have to have walked that road, but it means that you have to feel whatever that person might. Well, that, that's a really good point. Who, when someone loses a parent, I can understand that. Both of mine are gone. And as, as a lot of people in this room. So who better could sit with somebody who just lost a parent or a loved one? Who better could do that? A person that has been down that road. That's agape love too. Brotherly love, too. We have a common bond. We lost parents, or we lost a loved one. You see that? What? What? A, uh, yeah, go ahead, John. I, it's kind of a separate thing. If you had some more to say there. No, no, no. Go right ahead. I just. So Reagan and I have a really good relationship with our neighbors, our next door neighbors. They were. They have a pool. They went out of town about about a year ago. They went out of town and and. Uh, Reagan and I decided we wanted to go swimming at their house, and they, which they had offered, you know, for us to do, and that was great. So we did that, and we went swimming, and, and um, actually I went swimming, and Reagan 
Reagan kind of sat and stepped, you know, and I was like, why, why aren't you swimming? She's like, well, I don't, don't want to get my hair wet. Um, and I just thought that was the most ridiculous thing. And, and then now, you know, fast forward a year and I've got longer hair than probably half of you women. You, know. um, you bragging or you complaining? It's, it's, it's a religious exercise. Okay. Now, it, no, because I, I get it now. I get, I get the, you know, it's, it's washing your hair. There's a lot more to it now. I mean, there's just a lot more substance here, you know. Like, we won't get into First Corinthians 11. I get it. I get it. We certainly could. I don't think you want to go there. I just, I, what I want to do, the whole purpose of this comment is to, to bring, I, I just think this story in Luke 7 is just so bizarre. I mean, it's something that, at least as far as our brains are, are used to, you know, it, it just doesn't fit anywhere in our modern day. And you know, what is this anointing people with oil and, and washing people's feet with their hair? What what's going on? You know, and it's I, I just think it would help to be able to look at this situation and to be able to put ourselves in this woman's shoes. Um, I mean, can you imagine like getting your hair and like wiping somebody's nasty, gross? Dirty, smelly feet with your hair. I mean, it's just like we don't. It's it's sometimes easy to just kind of read over that and just kind of skip through it. But like, sit and think about it. Didn't think about actually doing that and actually putting yourself at somebody's foot like this dominance, almost like a just a total submission thing where like your feet. And this is what Joshua <clears throat> told the. The, um, the elders, I guess, back in uh, the early chapters of Joshua when they had captured these kings, Joshua told them to go and put your, your feet on their necks. Um, and it's just this total, like, you're in submission. And here's this woman who is, like, gladly coming to Jesus and accepting that submission and, and just anything that she can do to, like, just get something from him. Just this, just, you just feel, you know, when you start thinking about it in those kinds of terms, I think it really, like, brings it out. Why is that getting harder to do in our society? It's all about me. Uh Oh. Oh, you don't realize that? Well, (laughs) the meat, it is. Um, We have a tendency, no one's going to tell me anything to do. Well, and the other, and the flip side of that is, if you try to do something for somebody, a lot of people think they deserve it. It's not because you went out of their way to do something that's owed to them. It's a feeling that this is their. I guess it's called entitlement. Now we're entitled to that, and, and they don't accept those things. Uh, Jason and Alan, you had your hand up, didn't well, you? Or well, Michelle? Actually, somebody. Back to the, our tears, our generosity, and all that. But what I was just going to say about that was the fact that. God gave us the church to experience that love through the church from Him. And it kind of ties in with what Carol uh, was saying, you know, it, it, and what you were saying also with experiences. You know, because I've been in a hospital and people came to visit me, it makes, it makes me want to go visit people. Because I've struggled with a child that was in the hospital and we had no money at the time, and people pull money out of their own pockets. When someone's in need, yeah. I'll pour out of my pocket. God, people need to recognize that God gave us the church 
to receive those tears, that love, and that generosity so we can experience it from Him through people so we and, can And it makes it you easier. It makes it easier for you. Absolutely. All of it. makes it easier for you to be more generous because you realize the generosity not only of God, and that's number one, but also of other people. Because it's that cup of water given in God's name. Yeah. Yeah. Through, the, through our members. No, that's a good, real good point, Alan. So... If this is all true, we've said it a few different times. There's nobody that should. There's nobody who should connect to a sinner better than a sinner. Do you think we do a good job of connecting with sinners? I don't think we do, Alan. Uh, you want to amplify that? Uh, at least at times, I, I'm not sure we do. I don't think we do either. I don't think, uh, but we connect really well with church members. And I, I just, I just wonder if we view ourselves more like Simon than we do than we do that woman. Like, no, I, it's not something that I actively practice, but it's something that I've practiced. Nobody should have connected better with that woman than Simon. Certainly much better than Jesus. Good. Better than Jesus, right? I mean, real good point. It's a real good point. He never did anything like that woman. What James say about rich person comes into your assembly and a poor person comes into your assembly? You sit here at my feet. And, the and now you poor guy, you make a real nice footstool because you know I'm better than you. Um, uh, the poor person. And the rich person, you have a real nice, the mayor comes in, you have a real nice seat here. And what was James's Retort to that. Don't you know? These are the folks going to take you to court, take you to jail. All these people that you seem to be honoring the world, you get it. Um, uh, how, can, how can we? How, what can we do, Alan? Well, that's why I asked you, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me give you a, just a real quick one. No, I, I do have one. Okay. Just real quick. Okay. There's there's nothing better than telling someone what you've did, done in the past. That, I think that's part of the beauty of why Paul mentions it several times. You know, I was a persecutor. I was a, a, an aggressor. You know, I persecuted the church to death. He brought it up. And if you can just, if you can connect with somebody and say, listen, I've been there in this way. I've, I've done these things. And just open up and tell people your past without, without, you know, no guilt right. necessarily. But just tell them, I'm, I've been in your shoes. Are we willing to tell that story? Um, most are not. It's unfortunate they're not. Are we even um, willing to go where these people are? You know, you said we wouldn't die in a bar. I wouldn't go in a bar, but right. maybe I should. You uh, don't have to, Nelma. Look around. Huh? Look around. Let me give you a quick, a quick story. <laughs> I'm serious. The elders uh, met. Yeah. The elders met Sunday with a, with a person, and uh, who's been coming for a while. No names. And we take great pride in being friendly, don't we? Yeah. She said, well, you're not friendly here. 
been coming for months and months and months. People will say, introduce themselves and say, how you doing? And then when I get ready to tell them, they walk away. Not intentionally, nothing malicious. So are we, as Christ-like, open, genuine, genuine, generous, loving, as sometimes we think we are? I don't know that answer. That hurts. Well, it did. It, it, it's it, an it indictment did. against us. And there's always some truth in everything. I mean, so there's got to be something to something. that. How many, how many times, um, and I've done this myself, introduce myself to someone who's visiting, they say, well, this is, I've been here governor three months. Do we really reach out to folks like we should? I think that you're talking about self-reflection. And I think that that's the key of this, is that we have to have self-reflection all the time. When we're looking at the church here, the members here, we need to remember we're all sinners here. It's not like you're in, you're perfect now. We are all sinners. And we're here because we're sinners. And we know that we're sinners. And I think that we need to keep that mirror up all the time, realizing that I'm a sinner, that's why I'm here, we're all sinners, we're trying to stay on the right path, trying to do what's right, and if that's in the front, if that's in front of you all the time, right. it makes you more open. It does. Think. It does. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've told my story to, to, to several non-Christians, even recently, about my past, Heavy drinker, military, college. If you wanted to do it, I'm the person. <coughs> and it, it is sad now looking back. And there, there are several in this, probably all of us in this room, when you're high school, college. And that's one of the things that gets me about this, this, this judge. This judge may be as guilty as sin. Can people change for crying out loud? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 6 says, and such were some of you. You're not now, you were. But what's going on with the judge is the reason why we don't want to tell the story. And what we got to realize is that I don't care. You know, I don't care if half the world wants the judge. I'm not looking for them. I'm looking, I'm trying to convert this person right here, right now. And that's, that's what I'm, that's, that's my aim. I mean, it breaks down a barrier. Yeah, you know, it's one thing to say, "Look, we're all we're all sinners," and you know, Paul says it very generally, just like that in, in Romans three. But he also told the, the the dirty side of it, the dirty details. Yeah. And if you don't know us, if you don't have a story, you probably don't understand your sin good enough. One of my, uh, in fact, he's an elder in the church in Kentucky and known him for fifty years, and one of my dearest friends on the planet. And I, he was a big fisherman, and I was a pretender. <laughs> and there was this, there was this man that kept coming. His wife was a member. He loved to fish. Well, guess what? The pretender fisherman became all at once. We fished with that brother, Jim Martin. We fished with that brother all the time. Not to some kind of a, it wasn't a trick, but we're people. We don't have horns. And, 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 and if you like to fish, guess what? 
that just became an interest of mine. Two or three years we fished with him. And guess what finally happened? He was converted to the Lord. He's since fallen away. And that's, that's sad. But he was truly converted to the Lord. So we, sometimes we have to go out of our way to become a little bit... What, what did Paul say? To the, to the Jews I became as a Jew. To the Gentile I became as a... Became all things to all people. Now, if, if, if there was a period there, I'd say, well, okay. That I might win them. So whether it's, it's some things that we've talked about here, uh, of, of, and Rebecca mentioned about, our, you know, we, we learn to be loved more because of, uh, of our children and, and how we raise them and our unconditional love for them or all these other things. And the, and the motive is to win them, is to win them. And sometimes you've got to... Um, James says confess your sins to one another, didn't he? Name one. Uh, hey, uh, what? <laughs> the shield goes up. Ain't nobody going to do that. Name one. The Bible said to do it. We withdraw. We want to know about everybody else. But I'm not going to let you know about me. We're, our society is such a we self, do better. self-promoting society. Everything's about the self. Everything's about self-protection, self-promotion, everything like that. <coughs> to, to John's point, that woman, she fully emptied herself in front of Jesus. Jesus fully emptied himself for us. And what happens when we are presented with situations, if we fully empty ourselves and let the love of God into our hearts and we put the other person's well-being before ours, then we won't self-promote will openly confess our sins. Jesus said, if you do these things to be seen, what? Hope you enjoy it. You got your reward. That's all you're getting. You remember the, the Pharisee that went up to pray and then the publican? What did the Pharisee say? I'm glad I'm not like him. You know, you're lucky to have me, Lord. And what did the publican say? He didn't even look up. He said, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. Who was forgiven? He who was forgiven little, loves little. 747 principle. See that? Well, I know we probably got to go. Go ahead, John. Uh, just, Lisa, your, your comment earlier, uh, and I think, and to everybody else as well, because as you're saying your comment about being a sinner and being, everybody else is nodding their head. And, and I, I agree, like, I'm right there, I'm a sinner. But I actually want to challenge you to take that next step, everybody, and, and I think we struggle with that, um, taking that next step into this place where, yes, we're a sinner, but I was enslaved to those things before, and now Jesus is set me free, and I think that's actually where like real change happens, and that's where we really are motivated to go and talk to people that we never would have talked to before about the gospel, and to be able to open ourselves up to those kinds of people when we actually realize, I'm free. I've been set free. These chains no longer hold me down, and I don't have to worry about those things. Yes, I I remember where I came from, but I, I'm going somewhere, and I'm, I'm, I'm headed up. You know, I don't have time to, you know, I think we, 
we tend to sort of wallow sometimes. Yeah. That was the second bell. We're going to have to stop it. I'm going to leave you with this. We're going to study this together. Now, we're going to get, this is just preliminary. We're going to get out of the nitty gritty here now. And we're going to start with patience in about two weeks. And John starts back in here on Sunday. Practical lessons, self-reflection. We need to grow. And then I, I, I wrote down here, is it easy? No, it's not easy. But it's necessary. It's, it's necessary. We, we, we have to do that. Um, good comments tonight. And, and, you know, pretty, uh, pretty blunt open comments. And, and I liked it. I think that's what we want to do. We